Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. Hello, I am your host, Leonard, and today I am joined by my co-host, Cameron. Hi. Hello, Cameron. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I've been taking the week off my feet and, by doctor's orders, milking my very minor surgical injury as much as I can. So I've been enjoying my week. Um, (laughs) How about you? Um, well, uh, I, I didn't suffer an injury. I, uh, sur- surgical or otherwise, uh, <laughs> I had, uh, my company's, um, holiday party, uh, ah, yeah. on Tuesday this week, uh, which was a lot of fun. Oh, I good. literally did not run into anybody that I actually work with, uh, <laughs> during <laughs> the holiday party. Uh, but, uh, it was a good time and, and it was nice to get out of the house. Mm, yeah. However, we, uh, unfortunately need to switch gears to things that aren't nice, uh, and that would be, uh, today's <laughs> film. <laughs> oh, that's too mean. That's, I'm being, it's I'm being, un, I'm being unfair already. All right. Today we are talking about Willow, uh, mm. from, uh, 1988, uh, directed by Ron Howard, uh, executively produced by George Lucas. And written by Bob Dolman. It is a, a high fantasy adventure film, mm-hmm. mostly in name and genre classification, <laughs> um, uh, that stars uh, Warwick Davis, uh, Val Kilmer, yeah. and uh, Gene Marsh, who uh, uh, Eagle Ear uh, listeners may recognize from a previous film that we covered, A Return to Oz. <laughs> mm, yes. Cameron, do you have yeah. any history with this film? I do not. Uh, it was slightly before my time, and by the time I sort of hit it big into fantasy stuff, uh, there was a, some might call it a superior Hobbit-based film had been created <laughs> by Peter mm-hmm. Jackson mm-hmm. Um, by the time I really started getting into that, so it just never popped up on my radar. Um, it, it's also the kind of thing that my parents weren't really into either so they obviously didn't bring it in like i watched lots of stuff like monkey and things like that like a bit older than this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um the best part of this show for me is i get to explore like the 10 years before i was born where the gap of my parents were too old to really get into this and i was not yet around to get into this sort of fits um yes i know know, i'm I'm terribly young um (laughs) Well, you, 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 you use Dave and I as, as your elderly surrogate, your, uh, um, wait, wasn't that a movie where people like jumped into like robot bodies, sci-fi oh, film? That sounds right. With like Bruce Willis. Like, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, no, that's what you're doing. You're, you're jumping yeah. into Dave and I and, and, and hearing about stuff that existed a decade before you did. 
in my day, Warwick Davis played a halfling, but they were copyrighted. Right. They were copyrighted. <laughs> uh, he was also an Ewok. <laughs> mm. He was. Yes. It, it, it star, star actor there, honestly. Um, I mean, you know what? Very illustrious career. <laughs> uh, he, he gets a pass because he's also the leprechaun. Mm. Yeah, he does a good job there. Yep. <laughs> and he does an admirable job here in Willow. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into the synopses, uh, just give us an overall uh, breakdown on your thoughts of this film, having experienced it for the first time. All right. Um, overall, I kind of really liked it. It's got that charm of like the the eighties to nineties cinema, fantasy cinema especially. Like, I, I think a big part of it is in modern films, there's not always a lot of little people, as in you know the um, human actors of far below average height. Uh, whereas about half the cast of this film is little people, and it's it's for me it's a flashback to childhood because it's it's a big cast of uh people i recognize and don't fully recognize but they feel really familiar and it had that sense of familiarity like warwick davis obviously he's been in harry potter he's been in star wars and leprechaun as you said all kinds of things uh but there's one that really stood out to me was a uh, brother elf from <laughs> troll was here as um Vonka. One of the yes. one of the Nelwyn Nelwyn warriors, um, and that made it feel real familiar and nice. And apart from that, it's sort of a generic adventure movie. It could maybe lose thirty minutes of just walking around in there somewhere, mm-hmm. and, not, and not suffer too atrociously. Um, but uh, apart from that, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I think I think maybe a little too long. I did sort of start passing out. At the right before the credits, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was like I see how things are going to wrap up, and my brain just started shutting down a little. Um, <laughs> but no, it was—it's really fun, and it feels kind of authentic in that it's—it's it's not actually low budget, but it feels no. more low budget than it is, and that has a sort of charm for me. Yes, <laughs> if that makes sense. It feels adjacent to a film that would have been on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, what um, is it? It's like, there's one of them, something like Crusade of the Delta Knights, I think, which is <laughs> is a high fantasy film that, that mm. was on MST3K that feels yeah. very adjacent to this. Yes. And also has like brian warner in it like as the Mm. lead villain for some reason (laughs) why not it's fine (laughs) um yeah my history goes uh uh, with willow is i remember watching it more than once as a child and Mm -hmm. uh then forgetting about it uh and then finding out that Disney Plus was going to turn it into a series and say saying to myself hey that's cool Wait, I don't remember anything about Willow, but I know that I've watched it more than once. Um, and upon rewatching it for like the first time in what has to be probably 25 years, I now understand mm. why I don't remember anything about Willow because uh, nothing 
really happens in it until the last 35 mm. to 40 minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of characters going back and forth about whether or not they should do a thing and just sort of getting shots in nice scenic areas. And occasionally, very occasionally, something happens. Yes. It's, it's yes. like a 15-minute stretch where they're just camped out next to a gibbet. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stretches of them camped out somewhere mm-hmm. in this film. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, so Cameron, I'm gonna hand over synopsis duties to you, and we're gonna we're gonna break down this bad boy. Okay, excellent. So, uh, first off, we don't know what the setting's called. We don't know what the world's called. It's an unnamed fantasy world. <laughs> It's New Zealand that's been stretched along the Y-axis about another 150%, um, judging by the final shot of those really, really conical mountains. Um, <clears throat> but uh, our, our basic plot is um, almost a little biblical. It's the, the evil queen, Bavmorda, hears a prophecy that a child will be born who will overthrow her. And so like King Herod of old, uh, we start putting women and we start putting pregnant women in concentration camps. Yes. Uh, until the babies are born. <laughs> and, you know, uh, a, 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 a girl child will be born with a, with a birthmark on her arm, denoting her to be like the one who defeats evil. And my brain immediately went, okay, this is going to be Willow. <laughs> I knew nothing about this film. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah, so this is like the thing, like the baby will be born and, the baby is born, the midwife is convinced to smuggle it out, and it, uh, the baby ends up getting moses puts on yes. a little on a little floating raft of reeds and shoved down river. And I'm like, okay, cool. They'll they'll like do one of those traditional George Lucas white transition wipes to fifteen years later and we'll have like our, our teenage fantasy adventure woman, uh, Willow, the hero, and instead <laughs> It washes up on a bank uh, in in a community of Nelwyn, uh, who are the the aforementioned majority of the the cast being little people. Is it's this community um, of Nelwyn who are sort of like the the halflings, the hobbits of this world. Yes. Yeah, uh, and they're just a little farming community. Two children find the baby just sort of parked on the bank of the river, and uh, then. We meet Willow, who's Warwick <laughs> Davis. Uh, Willow Upgood, a sort of farmer and aspiring magician, uh, does his best in life, but doesn't do very well in life. Uh, but he has two children, has a lovely, loving wife, and now they have a uh, a di- daikini baby, I believe is what they call humans. Daikini? Yes. Yes. Um, which it's always fun to like see through the eyes of the culture of very physically different fantasy races because it's like they're these great giants that live to the south and stuff and like well yeah you don't think that you're little obviously they're just very big um all that kind of stuff which is fun uh they take the baby in and uh then peaceful life is quickly disrupted by uh wolf dogs wolf rat dog things Yes. Uh, I I like the idea of the design of these. Every single shot is of them clearly being like dragged along a rope track at high speed. Oh, except <laughs> for the few shots where it's clear that they put like a costume on a dog. Mm. 
that is fair. That is fair. Um, uh. But it, 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 but they do, but they they are in fact referred to as dogs. Uh, mm-hmm. They are, but they are fantasy dogs in that they <laughs> are apparently uh, wolf dog hybrids. Um, because yeah. the evil queen is evil, so of course she couldn't have regular dogs. No, no. Now, actually, would this film have been improved if instead of these weird rat ball wolf looking puppet things? They just had like three full-sized Irish wolfhounds. Because um, I, I kind of feel like that might have been better. <laughs> I mean, if you pair the Irish wolfhounds with the um, personality-free, not Darth Vader of this film, mm. then probably that would have probably made it better uh, if yeah. if they if they paired those creatures. Are those mm. dogs up with that character? Because, like, individually they've got nothing, but like together they might have had some visual interest at least. Yeah, like like a sleek villainess style. Like, here's my well-bred hunting dogs, and you know, a wolfhound's an enormous, sleek wolf-killing dog, and it looks more wolfy than these. Right. <laughs> these these look like Dark Souls two rats with longer legs. <laughs> um, it, it's um, what? What's the uh, not the authority, but the, the uh, vanguard? Yeah, the the yeah. rat dog, the giant yeah. Sith rat dog from two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what these look like, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, one one of these uh, wolf dog terrible monsters bursts through the Nailwind Village, um, in the middle of their festival. And just wreaks general havoc, including just tearing a cradle to shreds with nothing yes. in it. Yes. Uh, we we get the Nailwind Militia, who are led by Brother Elf and Troll. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we get a cool little miniature fight sequence where they're all in, like, an animal pen, wielding spears. And, again, you get the, you get the feel for, like, the costumes are well-designed. They're clothes that, you know, fit properly and seem practical for their size. And they they use, like, these stubbier spears that seem to really fit. And, um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just poking at a mannequin, really, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, clearly something's wrong. They They call the village together to figure out what should be done. And at this point, Willow's like, okay, we definitely can't keep the human baby. <laughs> it's It's already caused trouble. So, you know, we'll go, we'll we'll sort it out with, like, the town council, and they get there, it's like, whoever's caused this shall be thrown in the pit, and they're like, yeah, getting mobbed up. Willow goes to leave, and the the town elder, the the sorcerer of the town, notices him there, tells him to bring the child forward, and then we get the, the only scene from this movie I've seen before, which is, I will consult the bones. The bones tell me nothing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) which i really like the sort of the take on this guy as the 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 positioned sorcerer in the community because it feels very terry pratchett the witches to me yes like Mm -hmm. it's almost more about social engineering than actually being able to do any kind of magic yes uh because yeah he's he's divining the bones to see what should be done with the daikini child, but he's actually just tosses the bone out on the ground. Hmm, yes, yes, yes. 
okay, we need someone who's going to actually take care of the kid, and we need someone who's a pain in my backside to leave the village for a couple of weeks so I can just relax and send a few other people with them. So, like, Willow, if you love the child, let me know. He's like, cool. Willow, the bones say you're the one who has to go. Excellent. Yes. Good. Um, um, your it, your bossy neighbor also has to go. Oh, uh, yes. Burgle, Burglecuck, the, uh, yeah. the guy who apparently owns the land that Willow lives on, question mark? Something like that. Because there's... Willow's in debt and he's going to get the land as payment or something like that. Yeah, I like it. Like he's the, you know, he's he's the man with the money, uh, and and wants Willow's land for undisclosed reasons. He's he's miserable and unlikable, and you know, mm. a, a very one dimensional character. Um, I do think that it's interesting the the uh social engineering aspect of the vi- village mm. the elder is actually kind of an interesting point because it is shown that he does in fact have magic oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he does in fact he is a an actual practitioner of magic so you know the 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 fact that there, he's also like playing the other side of the coin by doing this weird social engineering thing is mm. also very bizarre to me but he also um <laughs> During the festival, Willow uh, applies for his uh, sorcerer apprenticeship um, and and fails uh, because he didn't trust himself. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Which is, you know, once again, Mm. hey, a lot of this movie feels like something that fell out of the um, uh, original Star Wars trilogy and then got passed through a, 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 a computer AI filter to change yeah. all the sci-fi elements to uh, fantasy <laughs> elements. Yeah. Just, just um, watching the cattle prods turn into spears as the screen wipes over. Right. <laughs> oh, he's a... Oh, man. The the, the, the dust farm. I, my actual farm. No, I'm not a teenager. I, I'm a, I'm a little, young yeah. adult man with a family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not... He's not... Uh, he's not... He's not Kenobi. He's not old Uncle Ben. He's just hi, old one. Totally yes. a sorcerer. Right. <laughs> not a well, Jedi. we do. No we do. Here. We get. Our, <laughs> we get our our Kenobi later on in in yes, the that film. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Oh man, I, I'll have some words about that when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this this group of I believe five Nelwins. It's it's Burglecut, Willow. Vonka, the like the head warrior, Migosh, and one other guy who I don't think gets a name. Yeah, yes. Correct. They, they they head off with the baby, they do some trekking. Uh Burglecut clearly doesn't care for the child's health or safety. <laughs> like, no, let's just keep walking. Who cares if the kid's feeling sick? It'll be fine, and then the baby vomits on him as babies are want to do. <laughs> yes. So well done him. That that's the running joke for this guy, is something nasty's always landed on his face. Yes, he gets a he gets a poor run of that, but he also seems like kind of an ass. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I do need to give this movie some credit, which is hey, uh, uh, really good work on like getting those baby actor actress reactions because oh, some movie, of those are great. Some yeah. of them are real, legitimately really good, and like mm. actually 
do a, a fairly good job of imparting that, yes, even though this is a baby, she is sapient and aware of what's actually going on around her, mm. unlike an yeah. actual baby. Yes. Like, yeah, she's she's clearly understanding and interacting with what's going on to the best of her physical abilities. Exactly. Which is mostly, mostly giving someone the side eye. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, they they definitely use that to the to the best. There, there, there feels like there's probably a good five minutes of this film is just a square shot with the baby's face exactly center of the screen, mm-hmm. so that you can see exactly the face this baby is pulling off. <laughs> and hey, they they got a cute kid for it as well. At least not, yes, it's not one of the classically ugly babies. <laughs> no. Uh, no, noted baby dislike of me going. Well, at least the kid's all right to look at. um but yeah they they continue on their trek we get some hey there's some great like woodland shots i do love the environments in this i believe it was new zealand they filmed in right yes yes yeah there you go new zealand classic fantasy woodland area to film in there you go uh they they get to a crossroads and find a bunch of gibbets um because the, the 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 elders instructions were you know take the baby to the Daikini Crossroads a few days south of here or whatever. Give her to the first human you see. It's not our problem after that. <laughs> um, you know, you can't, can't be having that kid around here. She'll grow up so big. She'll never fit in the house. Um, and there in the gibbet, we find uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> Just hanging out, imprisoned. Yep. Uh uh, alternating between begging for water and then threatening the lives of and racially insulting these Nelwyn who have come by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, uh, there's a there's a lot of fantasy racism in this movie. Uh, yeah. But only towards one <laughs> group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the film. Uh, Everyone hates Nelwins. Yes, uh, <laughs> and are very comfortable using the slur word for them throughout the entire film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll give them this. It's gonna, it's gonna sound like a weird compliment. It's a really good slur. It mm-hmm. feels real. Yes. Which makes it significantly more uncomfortable than if it had just been like walking around calling them short stuff or whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it has like connotations and everything. It's one of those simple to say terms that they just roll off the tongue like every second word out of Al Kilmer's mouth for the yeah. first team. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Um yeah, uh, yeah. Once again, this is the introduction of Val Kilmer, Mad Mardigan, or as I like to refer to him, uh, Mad Solo. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, more rogue, less dashing. <laughs> yes. Oh, a lot of rogue. Not so much the dashing. Not dat. Not very <laughs> dashing. Like it's like it's not. It's not. Uh, uh, Han shot first with Mad Mardigan. It's uh, mm. Han burned the tavern to the ground after barring the doors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, he, he's he's a killer through and through. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that raw edge. Like, 
Mad Mardigan is all one word in all of the subtitling and all the articles around this. Yes. But it feels like it should be the descriptor, Mardigan. It should be yes. Mad, space, Mardigan. But everyone yes. goes, Mad Mardigan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because he does seem genuinely like that little bit off the edge for the majority of the film until he starts calming down nearer to the end. Um, just, yeah, just a dangerous, uh, awful person to be around for the first half of the film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So Uh, dangerous and so awful that he runs into people who are free. (laughs) Mm. And, uh... Uh, into a commander, an army commander that he knows, who's like, yeah, no, I'm also not going to let you out of here. You can starve to death for all I yeah. care. No, you're good with a sword, but you don't care about anything. You'd probably just stab us all the second we let you out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so here they camp out uh, for a little bit until Burglecut convinces everyone else but Migosh to just leave. Yeah, go back. Like we done our job. We got the baby to the crossroads. There's a human in a cage here. We can just leave the baby on the ground. That's the same, right? Uh, same as giving it to the first person we find. Uh, Migosh stays on because he's actually a good friend, and uh, Willow eventually is convinced that no one is going to take the child except for Mad Mardigan if he's released. Like there are messengers on horses who are just completely ignoring the Nelwind as they ride by an entire army yep. <laughs> rides through and the commander is like explicitly we're not taking a baby to a battlefield <laughs> yep <laughs> stuff's going on in the background like um the, the evil queen bavmora's commander has taken so and so castle as an attack against so and so nation so yeah <laughs> there, there's there's sort of political stuff kind of going on in the background but we mm. never get more than that I, uh, there is the there is the slightest wafting of of po- politics in, in this film, like like a pie that somebody set on a windowsill a quarter of a mile away. You you get hints of it, but there's nothing really nothing there. And no, we'll get no. we'll get to it because man, uh, I have some uh, real problems with how allergic to world building this movie seems to be. <laughs> God, that is a good way to put it. <laughs> Give you the bare minimum required to have some sort of investment in the story. Right. And every everything else is set dressing. Um <laughs> Uh yeah. Uh alright, so yeah. Uh they decide, okay, Mad Mulligan says he'll take it. We'll ignore the fact he's in gym, but he seems very trustworthy ever since that time he tried to strangle Willow, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fine. So no one else is coming. Let the guy out of his cage. He's very, very grateful. Give him the baby. The first thing he does is spin around at about 90 miles an hour with the baby and throw it up into the air like woohoo. That... He's just enthusiastic. Yep. He won't do that again. He's not shaking the baby. Uh... <laughs> All right, cool. Let's go. And off Migosh and Willow go. And about five minutes later, there is an eagle flying past with the baby clutched in its talons and two brownies on its back standing. We stole the baby! Yeah! Uh, <laughs> which is literally the only thing that I actually remember about this movie <laughs> prior to the last 35 minutes. Like, that yeah. scene happened and I was like, oh, I that I do remember. I do remember. <laughs> we stole the baby! We stole the baby! And I'm like, oh no, I I do remember that. In fact, 
Yeah. Um, that line read is the only thing for the first <laughs> hour and a half of this movie that I actually explicitly remember. <laughs> it's hard not to remember. Um, so brownies are evil, even littler people, but mm-hmm. normally proportioned by way of cinema, cinema, cinema magic. You know, they, they've clearly just green screened these people out and cut them smaller into the frame and everything. Yes. Uh, and they are, for some reason, horrifically French. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but they are French. I do love the brownie style. Let, let's talk brownie costume for a moment. Your your hood is just a skinned mouse head. Yeah. Excellent. They look so good like that. I I really do love their outfits. It's almost uh. like it's almost like proto Mononoke outfits mm. for. Yeah. Like, incredibly small humanoids. Yeah, they've got, like, all the tribal markings, they're riding beasts into battle, they've got, like, for for them, a rat would be, like, the equivalent of, like, fighting a bear. So, right. it's, it's probably a very brave thing to wear, like, a mouse or a rat skin, because those are terrifying beasts to them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're flying off with the baby, so Willow, Willow's gotta go do his duty, chase after the brownies. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we do uh, get then... a really mm. really fun um um like nod and uh fascinating inversion of the Gulliver's travels. <laughs> oh, Matt, th- this whole bit I actually do really love mm. because first of all, these this is sort of foreshadowed because way back in the Nelwyn village there's someone offhandedly mentions you don't want to be going out in the world there's daikini and there's brownies and all kinds of nasty things out there and like how how bad could brownies be traditionally folklorically mm-hmm. a brownie is like a little house elf thing that shows up and cleans the place and maybe takes a little food as payment um and then in this they are more like the the traditional mythological elf where it's a tiny little evil thing that lives in the forest and is fiercely <laughs> territorial and will just shoot you with a bow uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh that it's it's a great little chase scene where like we gotta chase them, find the baby, and immediately it gets twisted to there are like dozens of these guys shooting tiny little flint arrows yep. at us from the tree line. Let's just run. We can outrun them. We've got bigger legs than them. We we little Nelwins. Um and they immediately run into a pit trap. Yep. Because the brownies are organized. And then yes, we get Gulliver's travels by way of both both uh, Willow and Migosh staked out on the ground and a bunch of brownies just sort of walking around them and inspecting them going, oh, it's my trophy. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they, 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 they take them prisoners and then almost immediately release them because the brownies have clearly uh, maliciously interpreted their instructions, which were to get Willow and Migosh so that, um, who is this, uh, Sherlandrea, the fairy queen, mm-hmm. could, um, could, could tell them what their actual mission is. Mm-hmm. And, and so we get a little Tinkerbell style light, which magically morphs into a full grown Galadriel esque woman. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the baby is Elora Dannon, the foretold princess of Tira's Lean. We never find out what Tyrus Lean is apart from maybe a castle somewhere. Uh. Yeah, yes. 
Oh man, it's a it's a it, I guess it was a kingdom once, maybe. Just a castle now, I guess. Question mark. Very question mark. Yeah. Uh, also, by virtue of her being the princess of, of Terranus Ling, doesn't that mean that her that the woman that gave birth to her is oh, I don't know, her mother and and therefore a queen? Potentially. <laughs> Or this is like one of those things where it's like she'll be Princess of Tirislene by adoption, which I think is technically how that works out in the end. Like, <laughs> we'll get to that at the end, but it feels more like a, we're claiming the mantle of the kingdom of Tirislene, and also this is our kid now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, once again, it, I'm just, hmm. I, 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 I've never pined for exposition more than in <laughs> watching this movie give me a crumb just God, tell me, me anything just... tell me any tell me how far away we are from a location oh. tell me what this location is tell me how much time has passed tell me anything anything please. what i wouldn't what I wouldn't give for each of those screen wipes to be like five frames of a world map and a little yes. arrow. Yes. <laughs> Just, Sp yeah. Sp Spielberg had been making Indiana Jones movies at this point. You know, mm. Lucas, you know how to do known. Yeah, yeah, you know how to do a map. Just travel map. Put put Just, the fade shot of Warwick Davis's face over the fantasy New Zealand map. Yeah. Just get a regular New Zealand map. <laughs> It's it's so frustrating because there's like there's a war going on and there's like nary a hint of it other than like yes we're going off to war goodbye Mad Mardigan die in that cage yep yep <laughs> uh, and then Bev Bev is just like I want that baby and it's just like wait no. Please, you're an evil sorceress. What do you want? Like, is it just like I want to rule everything? That that's just yeah, dull. I guess. Uh, it's Complete so political power, no chance of unrest ever. If I kill this one baby, and and also if you're like you are, you it is later shown that she is an incredibly powerful sorceress. Oh, ridiculously so. How have you not just conquered everything already? You have already removed all of your rivals. <laughs> I, uh. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little light on, like, the cladding that could really shore it up, I think. Yeah. Could use a little more. But see, like, this thing, like, the movie could stand to lose 30 minutes, but instead of losing the 30 minutes, replace the 30 minutes with like just a little extra information absolutely just keep it two hours just tell us more instead of showing us a bunch of people walking down a road yes for half the film oh if only um <laughs> but uh yeah uh Andrea, yeah explains that Alora is first off yeah as you said completely sapient and aware of what's going on she's magical and like telepathic to a degree mm -hmm. um and she's chosen willow because you know she's also still a baby and sort of locked onto the first person who really gave her continued attention i guess right it's it's got to be willow you you've been chosen as her protector it's like okay i guess i'm doing this all right cool take this wand 
go go to a go to an island on a lake uh where Finn Raziel, the the enchantress lives. Give her the wand and she'll help you go the rest of the way. Okay, quest. Cool. We got a vague destination. We've got Franjean and Rule the two brownies as our yes. guides. Uh who seem to navigate by democracy, as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's this way. No, it's this way. Actually, the two of them together. It's that way. Uh <laughs> uh and off we go out into the wilderness gotta gotta make our way uh i believe it is at this point that migosh goes home we're yes. like hey willow's gone on a quest because giving the baby to humans straight up didn't work out so he's gonna go figure all that out he's, he'll probably be fine uh, yeah actually <laughs> all things considered like they didn't have any problems getting to the human territory so huh? in all likelihood yeah it's probably an easy trip back yeah i mean like that that's the big thing is humans are very racist against no <laughs> they also it's just like all talk they, yes. they don't consider them worth even like negative attention beyond using slurs at them yes because I, I guess from their perspective you know it's like it's like a two and a half to four foot tall person they're not going to physically threaten you so just be rude to them and be on your way i guess this is weird weirdly realistic but also weirdly kids glove fantasy yes. racism <laughs> strange one uh but yeah is it is it at this point that we're introduced to Sh sorsha uh more or less yes um the the evil queen bathmora is very confused by the fact that she's you know, moving her entire forces and is not able to find a single baby, yep. you know, something that can't even move on its own. And so calls in, first off, General Kale, who has a uh, Halloween store skull mask for his helmet visor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it looks like an ape. It looks like an ape skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that's about right. Uh, and Sorsha, who is her daughter and dressed in, like, sort of mongolian armor yeah almost. that was weird it doesn't really fit aesthetically with the rest of the more like medieval european stuff going on but it's lighter and she's got like a bow and stuff that she never uses um nope. <laughs> not once um and the only reason that i actually bring up uh her introduction and mm. and I'm jumping ahead a little later, but really the scenes, the cutaways to Bathmore's court are so nothing that I might as well just combine them oh, here. Yeah. Which yeah, is please. uh when one of uh Bathmore's advisors like I've I've seen I've foretold that your daughter will betray you and Bathmore's like I trust her more than you I trust you and I'm like lady you are hunting for a baby because a prophecy <laughs> so, showed you that she you, she yeah. would nuke you from orbit. How are you like, <laughs> I don't believe in this prophecy, though? What? How? Yeah. How? <laughs> it, it, that really drove me. blind spot when it that comes to family. <laughs> drove me insane where i'm like literally everything that you are doing the, the entire focus of your personality is finding this prophesized baby and yeah. one of your trusted and loyal advisors like hey your daughter's gonna betray you and you're just like i shut up you're wrong she would never um <laughs> i mean like 
the baby is like magically threatening to her, whereas I guess as proved later in the movie, even if her daughter turns against her, that's not really an issue for her. Yeah. But she didn't have to be so blasé about it. It's like, I don't trust you, Mr. Advisor. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, he gets a real I told you so shot at the end of the film. <laughs> where, like, the daughter walks out in front of an army and we just cut to that guy looking at the queen like, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <Ooh>. Yes. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, uh, Willow, Franjan, and Rule uh, head out into the wilderness and trek for an unspecified distance over an unspecified amount of time in an unspecified direction mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> until they come across uh, that most adventurous of locations, the Human Tavern. Yes. Uh, because they're out of milk, and obviously uh, Elora's not onto solid foods yet. So gotta, gotta get some milk, and yep. in Willow goes immediately again sort of just lambasted by racism and yep. not not given any milk so he goes and hides under the stairs yeah which i mean fair get out of sight get out of mind these people clearly aren't going to help you i feel that um and then tumbles backward through a shoddily constructed wall panel into a bedroom uh where we see mad Mardigan again rapidly rapidly getting ready for a drag show um yes yeah (laughs) he's with his lover i guess and uh her husband has heard that uh heard that there might be a man here so time for mad martigan to quickly get the act up in honestly probably the most uncomfortable scene of the entire film (laughs) yes because man Although Before. it is, it, it it you know what it is very true to high fantasy though. <laughs> that is fair. Also, once again, very like there are points where it, like this movie hits like high fantasy concepts really hard <laughs> with mm. the hammer and nails it completely. But like yeah. it's the weirdest and most uncomfortable aspects of high fantasy that it, it is. <laughs> it's like all the racism and the the blatant misogyny. Yes, kind of like the the actual rating on this film, at least here in Australia, is PG, and it's like consistent low level violence. I'm like, yeah, you see a, a tiny bit of blood in like a couple of scenes, and there's like some fighting and stuff. Put it put in something for man walks in on his wife and his wife's quote-unquote cousin immediately pins cousin up against the wall and says what a breed and yeah. i go what the hell am i watching this is for children this is like a kid's fantasy movie right it's it's sort of hitting high fantasy but it feels more like they're, they're definitely trying to hit that okay for kids and then this scene comes in and right hooks me out of nowhere yep <laughs> um with lug was yes. his name something like that yeah um yeah lug with two l's because it's a fantasy setting <laughs> yes yeah these are uh the man a lot of these names i'm just like mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. sure <laughs> i'm just like i'm just like baby's first D homebrew naming yeah. conventions <laughs> yeah like alora fine that's basically a real name willow there are people named willow yep uh, kale is just a vegetable so is Kakarot. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, uh, Sorsha and the foot soldiers of Bavmora at this point break into the tavern because they know they're looking for a Nelwyn with a baby. Right. Um, because uh, the the Empire needed to bust into Moe's Isley and yeah. threaten our heroes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> at which point, to get out of a bind, uh, Mad Mardigan reveals he's a man. Yes. And then uses the subsequent, of course, blind rage attack by Lug to dodge out of the way and get all of the uh, the foot soldiers just beaten up by this one very large peasant man. Uh, again, showing off that he's that sort of on edge, sort of dangerous, but overall competent, mostly. Mm-hmm. Lord knows how he ended up in that cage. Um, we do get a fun sequence, which is a wagon chase I yes. actually really enjoyed. This this felt fun. It was good. Like uh, it's Mardigan, the two brownies, Willow, and the baby all on the wagon, trying to outride a bunch of horseback soldiers. As as, as the wagon, wagon wheels keep breaking off oh, of the that, wagon, it just starts disintegrating halfway through the chase. <laughs> like in in like <laughs> probably the most accurate uh, version mm. of a wagon chase that I've ever seen. Considering that, yeah, wooden wagons not built for high speed chases like that will probably yeah. turn to dust if you try mm. to do it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and just yeah, some really fun choreography. Uh, Willow the entire ride going, you've got to slow down. This is not good for the baby. You've got to slow down. This yes. is not good for the baby. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they escape with their lives. And uh, Marduk's like, okay, so why are you even here? He's like, oh, we're going to the milk. We're going to this island. I'm like, like God damn I'm going in the direction of the island on the lake. So I yes. guess we're going together. Heroes of happenstance. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll lead you there, says the guy that took the baby, did not try mm-hmm. to um, reclaim the baby at any point yes. after he lost it, and then mm-hmm. uh, proceeded to go to a tavern to uh, have an affair with a woman. Once again, yes. once again, they are really trying to recreate like that Han Solo dashing rogue aspect mm-hmm. with Matt Morgan, but he is like a a monstrous jerk like throughout the entire film absolutely and honestly (laughs) if you wanted to soften it what you do is you have him get captured with willow you have him also get captured by the Mm. brownies as he's trying to recover the baby and then everybody knows why willow's on this quest yeah that would be a much easier way to make Mardigan feel a little more integrated instead of, yeah, this, this standoffish loner who happens to be here. Yes. As well. Because he, he, after this point, he does very quickly become invested in the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's ride or die from, like, this next scene onwards. Yes. <laughs> Although he doesn't ever apologize for the fantasy racism. No, he's never going to apologize for the fantasy racism. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they they make their way to the island on the lake more or less without incident. Yep. Uh, there's a boat big enough for a single person, so Mad Mardigan, the two brownies, and Alora are left behind while Willow goes off to the island to get the sorceress. Uh, and there he meets something that struck me as really unusual until I remembered this was filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I I feel like because I talk about 
these older films with you and Dave mostly. I feel like part part of the time I'm coming here with like an American expectation of films from the, the like the eighties. And I did not expect to see an Australian slash New Zealand brush tail possum yes. in a film ever. <laughs> which I actually I kind of I was thinking about this when I was watching it. Was this like a weird fantasy creature the first time you saw it, if you remember? Like looking at that going, Wow, that's a weird looking animal. No, or... no, okay. no. I I knew what it was. I, oh, I was good. I was yes. I was uh, I was uh, 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 an avid reader and and mm. and, and knowledge mm. observer as a child. So I knew. I was like, oh, that's a. I think I probably thought it was a lemur. Um, yeah, because yeah, of the eyes. Mm. Um, but I knew that it wasn't like some made up fantasy creature. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of wild because I think the only other time I've seen a brushtail possum in a film is in a very Australia-specific film about a dog that gets stuck on a hot air balloon and then lands on a little Australian island or something. Oh, dear. It, it, it was like Milo and Otis, but with a golden retriever. And the uh, brushtail possum. And, and there, there were like, yeah, brushtail possums and other Aussie animals have a big flood at the end. The dog movies always have a big flood at the end. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I also point. like the idea that the only reason that it's a brushtail possum is because they filmed this in New Zealand and they were like, yeah, yeah who has an what animals? What? Yeah, they this just, one. <laughs> this one looks weird. This one looks like a muppet. The closest animal. Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're actually an invasive species. They're they're everywhere in New Zealand. <laughs> um, so I, I assume honestly, it could have just wandered onto the set and they went, no, this is good. We'll rotoscope the mouth later. Yes. Uh, to have to get the actor to dub over it, uh, because this is this is Finn Rizal. She's been polymorphed into a possum um, by Bavmora. By Bavmora. Uh, oh, also, side point about possums. I was so confused when I first started getting on the more American centric internet as as a as a teenager, <laughs> and everyone talking about possums like disease infested rat. Uh huh. <laughs> And I'm like, no, they're really cute. You feed them honey sandwiches if you're mm -hmm. a bad person like my grandparents. Um, and then <laughs> you, you discovered the health. North American opossum, right? And then I discovered the North American opossum. And that's cute in like a Oscar the Grouch way, but I understand what everyone's talking about now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was so weird. Um, but yeah, Bavmora transmutes her into a possum and exiles her to the island because possums can't swim. I assume yes. was the thinking here. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Willow's got that wand. So all he has to do is change her back. She'll teach him how, even though he's just a fledgling sorcerer. Mm -hmm. he's, got, he's got the potential for magic, and that's what counts. Does he? Does, does he, Cameron? I mean, how does the magic system in this movie work? How does magic in this in this world work, Cameron? As far as I can tell, it's based entirely on self confidence, which is sort of. Analogous to the charisma stat in Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. so I guess everyone's a sorcerer with like spontaneous bloodline caster in this universe. There's nothing else to it, and we don't know how magic works apart from say the words, put some blood on a thing, and feed it to a possum. Yes, <laughs> say, say the words and believe it and concentrate. Yeah, and yeah, man, yeah, I'd I'd really like to know how the magic system in this universe works. That'd be really where nice. Magic, where did magic even come from? Is yep. like the wand the reservoir? Is magic just all around you? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? 
It's a mystery. Because <laughs> the wand just breaks off of a tree. Like, she doesn't, yeah. like, present it to him. It's just a gnarled tree branch that yeah, yeah exactly. snaps off. And I'm just like, anything. <laughs> just give me anything. A crumb. A crumb of world building. I'm begging you, movie. And I just something I, i'm dying i'm i can feel the moisture of like engagement leaving my body <laughs> oh man yeah i, I just want to know more that's that's the, that is the sad part about it is i want more information because there is definitely that interest there i think mm-hmm. there is something that could be interesting here mm-hmm. it's just complete Every time the camera pans over to a document about how the world works, it's viciously wrenched away by George Lucas, I assume. (laughs) Um, No, don't look at that. We don't talk about how the Force works. We don't talk about how magic works. Um, He learned his lesson. No, he didn't. Um. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, so, yeah, he rescues Finn Razeel from the island, boats back to the shore, and is promptly captured alongside everyone else by Sorcerer and the soldiers. Because yep. uh, she's actually competent at her job once she knows what she's looking for. <laughs> for well done. Uh, so they're all locked in cages, and uh, Finn Raziel, being a possum, just sort of breaks out very easily, yes. gets, into, gets into Willow's cage and says, okay, just do the thing, turn me into a human. They haven't taken the wand because, as you said, it's just a stick. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they bother taking it? There's, there's no one's got a stick, whatever. Um, and so he does He does magic. He does great and powerful magic. He concentrates. And all the while, I'm thinking, there's not room for a full-grown human in this cage. Mm-hmm. Should, she should be standing on the other side of the bars. Uh, but it's fine because he messes up the spell. He doesn't concentrate. He doesn't believe in himself enough. He doesn't become one with the word. Uh, And instead of turning her back into a human, he transmutes the possum into a rook. Uh, In a somewhat disturbing manner where the possum melts into like a little fur puddle and a a crow bursts out of it. Yep. And I'm like, (laughs) man, you know what? I really wish I knew how magic worked because, Mm. man, that makes magic seem horrific. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It was freaky. I'm just like, that right there, that's the most interesting bit of magic that I've seen in a fantasy setting in a while, which is, mm. let me, like, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to, much like a caterpillar, uh, <laughs> I'm going to uh, turn uh, all of your solid parts into uh, jelly, and then you will emerge from your furry chrysalis as a new <laughs> being. Ooh, yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. It feels gross in the really interesting way. And again, we don't know how that works or if it was just like, oh, it's leftover mass. Like, I, hey, just <laughs> give me a flashback of like when Babdamora turned Finn Brazil into uh, a, yeah. a, 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 a possum because I wanted to be some like sicko shit where it's like uh like <laughs> under the skin and there's just a skin suit and then a possum just crawls out uh, of the mouth yeah. hole. <laughs> Good, good old uh, Hemlock Grove werewolf transformation stuff. Right, exactly. That would be great. I would love that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, magic is horrible, and yes, people who practice it should be trained and competent in it. Look what happens when you don't. You just 
did something terrible there, Willow. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, like he'll do later in the film. Oh, God, it gets so bad later in the film. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, while imprisoned and working on breaking out, uh, Franjan doses uh, Val Kilmer with a, with a love dust accidentally, dust of heartbreak or something, yes. which was alluded to once earlier in the film where uh, Rule got coded in it and tried to woo a cat yes. in the tavern. Um, which, hey, I love you, cat. You got a perfect round face. Good cat. Um, <laughs> a little, little bit of Chekhov's, Chekhov's, uh, dust of, dust of heartbreak there, I guess. <laughs> uh, but the, the, it's, again, hey, magic's not specified. Rule fell in love with the first thing that met his eyes, which was a cat. Yep. Mad Mardigan gets dosed with this, proceeds to walk around the camp for five minutes, completely unaffected apart from feeling better about the world, and then sees Sorcerer asleep and falls in love immediately. Yes. <laughs> is it is it compatibility? Does that mean brownies can communicate with and have an actual relationship with a cat, or is this just? Oh, I don't I, know I, what's I, going I, on here. I think I think it's the ma the the magic system doesn't matter, and we need things to happen. This is the yeah, seventh probably. draft of this script, and I'm not going to do another one. <laughs> not getting paid enough to rewrite the scene again. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, yeah, in the process of getting Alora back, Mad Madigan goes into Sorcerer's tent, sees Sorcerer sleep, falls in love, and immediately starts being horrendously creepy and misogynistic, as befits this traditional high fantasy yes. um <laughs> and as befits this high fantasy sorcerer first off wakes up threatening him with a knife which fair and then as he just starts wooing her with um not particularly good off-the-cuff poetry <laughs> uh she slowly sorts to start uh, starts to sort of soften towards him which you've known this man for all of like a day and all he has done is kill your men, break wagons, and escape your escape your pursuit. Don't do this. Didn't, You're didn't this. Didn't he also punch her when he was pretending yep. to be a woman? Uh, didn't punch her. He shoved her like over a table. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Full, full force, just both arms immediately pushed her back like three meters into yes. furniture. I remember that he did accost her, physically accost her in some way previously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've we got to have a romantic subplot, and Willow's wife is at home, so it's not that. Uh, <sighs> uh, but with this uh, sort of momentary distraction, they manage to get the baby and escape to a nearby village in which they find the remnants of uh, Eric's army, the army that was passing by the gibbet earlier yes. in the film. Uh, the army got trounced pretty soundly by Bavmora's army. They're hiding out here as uh, Sorsha's army comes in pursuit. And uh, the the only way it could be resolved is Mad Madigan takes Sorsha hostage and she joins the party forcibly. New, 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 new adventuring friend acquired. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at knife point. At knife point. It's how all good friendships start. Yes. Um, in, in, in a fantasy setting. In a fantasy setting. Um, <laughs> yeah. T take, uh, they take Sorcia captive to get the, get the hell out of there. They manage to do so. And 
I, I do appreciate this because uh, Mamarin goes out first with Sorsha while uh, Willow, the Brownies, and Alora make a run for a horse and gets all the soldiers to drop their weapons then makes a break for it. And as the soldiers go to pick up their weapons, all of Eric's soldiers burst out of the house yes. and ambush them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, hey, decent play. Well thought out. Good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Save yourself a lot of time there. Um, they flee. Uh, eventually, after a lot of, like, confused talking about it, and like, you said you loved me last night, uh, Sorsha gets tired of this and just kicks Mardigan in the chest, stomach, and then punches him in the throat and runs away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which, good for her. She was Which able to I, escape relatively easily. <laughs> I really appreciate, I really appreciate, like, she's like, yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm done with, like... Mm, checking to see if this was legitimate, but no, yeah. you're you're a dick, so I'm out instantly. You could have had something, but I'm out of here. <laughs> I was thinking about betraying my mother for you, but you know, actually no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, uh, when they first captured her, my brain went, oh, someone's going to report this as your daughter's with the people with the baby and the queen going, she did betray that they didn't. No, she just actually uh, betrays the queen later. <laughs> see what would have made this. What would have what would have uh, uh, added to the "I told you so" scene later is if mm. just do a cutaway with Bav Morda looking in a cauldron that's projecting her escape from <laughs> Mad Mardigan and her just yeah. like sneering at her advisor and walking away. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, add add that fifteen seconds. I would actually really love that. Right. Like that's that's the cutaway that this movie actually needs. <laughs> Told you she was loyal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um Yeah. So uh it's all good though. They've made it far enough ahead of Kale and the rest of the army that they can make it to Tira's Lean. Hooray! A decrepit old castle in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And they're like, yeah. uh, it looks like that Mora's already attacked it. And I'm like, what? Mm. Why? What's going on? What? The, no, okay. So we're done with characters. No, no new characters. Yeah. No too new old. Characters. Too old for new characters. Says this exactly. movie. Exactly. Like they got a bunch of people locked up in thief crystals. Yep. Here, they and. A, a really creepy shot. I don't know if it was that I wasn't paying attention and missed the first actual introductory shot of Trolls here, mm-hmm. but the first thing I saw was Willow, a long shot of Willow running across a bridge and underneath the bridge, what I thought was his shadow for a second, <laughs> scurrying along the bottom of the bridge, and I saw that and went, went, oh god. Uh, yeah. Trolls have been mentioned as the one thing that Willow really doesn't like, and they are just... They're just nail wins in very degraded Ewok suit. Yes. Um, they look like it, it looks like the ape boy from Land of the Lost. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's got like that almost apish, slightly more bare face. Mm-hmm. And like the, the 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 long arms and just the wild fur. And uh they're not particularly threatening. Nope. Like they just <laughs> some of the least threatening trolls in cinema jumps out and goes ooga booga booga and then it dies immediately. Um, <laughs> w- Willow does a little magic, um, yeah, 
and creates yeah. <laughs> creates an abomination unlike anything my young mind had experienced up until that oh, point. God, yeah, it it is awful. So like like the armies at the gate, Mad Mardigan's desperately doing his best to like strap some armor on and get a few crossbows and traps set up and stuff. And Willow, yeah, gets jumped by a troll blasts it with magic and throws it into a pond at the bottom of the castle. Yeah, at which but, point, but not oh, before God. before the 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 fur melts off and it turns into a horrible flesh yeah. cocoon with two hydra heads springing yeah. forth. I really didn't want to think about that shot ever again, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was hey, really disgusting and some halfway decent practical effects. Yes, <laughs> practical effects are good. Uh, I mean, it is 88. We can't be too, too critical of digital effects at the time. We just do more practical stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, tosses it in there. Uh, and yeah, there's this two headed monster that they don't want to show the whole body of. So it's just coming out of the lake. Uh, rears out as like a giant rhinoceros bat hydra. Like, you know, these big flat nose protrusions and. It reminds yeah. me of the King of the Moon's weird two-headed turkey yes. buzzard thing from Baron yes. Munchausen, but without beaks. Yeah, pretty much, actually. <laughs> it, it does feel very Harryhausen. Yes. In, like, the styling of it. Maybe not 100% the execution, but it's pretty good overall. It's just... Really, yeah, really freaky compared to what you expect of given like all the other monster designs mm-hmm. so far in the film is like, what if a dog had a weird boar face and uh what if what if a chimpanzee had a weird, slightly longer head? Yes. It this is the <laughs> this is the the only fantasy creature that feels like it was pulled out of a monster manual. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This is like some second edition nonsense. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. Uh. So we get a we get a massive three way battle as Kale's army breaks into the castle. Uh Full props to Mardigan here. Throughout the whole film, he's been going on about how he's like the greatest swordsman that's ever lived, and mm-hmm. he sort of brushed that off as he's just like that roguish sleazy character. He he seemed pretty good slightly earlier when they were breaking out of the camp, and then in here he's like, "No, I set up a full defense. There's bear traps. I've got crossbows on a shield barricade, and then also I can just grab a sword and go to town with the best of them." <laughs> yep. He, he he is genuinely probably the greatest swordsman currently alive in the setting, as far yes. as we know, because we don't <laughs> know anyone else. Um, he, he's displaying that sort of fantasy swordsmanship, excellent, which good for him. Uh. So yeah, we got the side of Willow and Mad Mardigan, the side of Kale, and then there's also just trolls and that two-headed monster yep. also wreaking havoc. Uh, and then to further complicate things, about halfway through the fight, uh, Sorsha realizes she is actually in love with Mardigan. <laughs> yep. And they, they share a kiss on the battlefield and then fight back-to-back. How romantic they've known each other for a day. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Maybe time could've has been... no meaning in this unknown on this unknown world. Could have could have been like two weeks, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? It's a mystery. Um, but in the midst of all the havoc, General Kale comes in, grabs the baby, and just 
get the hell out of Dodge because he actually knows how to do his job. <laughs> his job was to get the baby. He has acquired the baby. He's leaving. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, specifically, Bav Morta needs the baby alive because I guess souls are real. Reincarnation is the thing because <laughs> she needs the baby for a ritual to banish the baby's spirit outside of the universe so it can never come back. I'm like, okay, so you, it, it's a good it's a good plot point because you can't just shoot the baby with a crossbow and go, it's done. Because right. another baby nine months from now will pop up <laughs> as like the, the magical savior of the world or something. So it, it's, it's a good, <laughs> that bit's a bit of good like plotting. It's like, no, we need to actually like exorcise the soul out of the baby or whatever. Yeah. It, um, I I literally need to cast this infant soul into the pit, or else I'm gonna be doing this forever. Just yeah, just once a year, like uh, yeah, toddler with a weird mark on its arm. Let's do this again, I guess. And honestly, given like the uh, uh her military and uh magical control, she should actually just that should just be the route that she takes at this point. Yeah. To be perfectly honest just sort of set up a Spartan society, but instead of checking for birth defects, you're checking for that one weird birthmark. Yep. Just toss them off the cliff if they've got the, the little tree birthmark on their I mean, arm or whatever. I, I mean, her her castle is basically a cliff. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's all, it's all edges, no flat planes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... Obviously, our heroes have to save the day. Uh, they proceed all the way to Nokmar Castle, which is Bav Mora's base of operations. And on the way, they're joined by the remnants of Eric's army. Uh, because, believe it or not, a giant two-headed monster that explodes when it dies didn't do a great deal of good for uh, Bav Mora's forces when they had to fight it. Yep. <laughs> so they've got a chance. They can actually sort of lay siege. At which point, uh, Bav Mora... <laughs> shows why she's known as the Sorcerer Queen, and with, like, two words, in normal English, while she's just speaking, not <laughs> even casting, like, a, yeah, not, not even casting, like, the ritual mumbo-jumbo kind of spells Willow's been having to do, just as she's casually speaking, turns the entire enemy army into pigs. Yep. Again, really brutal-seeming transformation. Seems like it's a, a really nasty internal polymorph. Mm-hmm kind of thing. Kind of wish we knew how that kind of stuff worked a bit more, but we're never <laughs> going to find out. Nope. Um, <laughs> Willow protects himself uh, with Raziel's help by casting like a sanctuary spell as well as finally incidentally, we, we missed another failed polymorph. She got turned into a goat. She did. And had to put on a terrible voice for like 15 minutes. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, finally gets the sanctuary spell right and finally manages to polymorph Finrazil into her true human form, which Val Kilmer was really looking forward to because she described herself as a young, beautiful woman, and then she's an old, honestly, looking good for her age woman. Yes. And she just looks at her hands and goes, has it really been that long? Like, <laughs> I, brush tail possums don't have a sense of time, I guess. No, I like, um, to, <laughs> I like to imagine, like, that she was, like, young and immortal as long as the spell was active, and the minute uh, that she transformed back, it was like, and now, age-appropriate. 
yeah, catch up on those like sixty years you missed. Like, like it was almost <laughs> like it was almost like a counter, like just like a just in case, like somebody manages mm. to free her from this. Like, if it's been long enough, she'll just crumble into dust when she does. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. At this point, uh, now they have their own powerful sorcerer who's armed with a powerful magical wand, not a stick. Um. <laughs> Finrazil manages to transmute the entire army back. Yes. And they, they launch a surprise assault, basically. Uh, because Bathmore is very busy with the apparently hours-long ritual to I'm banish like, the soul I, of a baby. I was... Uh, <laughs> that was kind of my favorite. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this one a pass uh, because mm. uh, time hasn't been kind to, like, the flow of time in this movie has been yeah. nebulous and vague. And I'm like, okay, well, she's like trying to literally banish the essence of a person from the known universe. Mm. So I'm going to yeah. say, yeah, it's fine. If this ritual <laughs> requires like 18 hours to put together. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That, that feels good. And that's like, that hits that sort of tabletop fantasy thing as well, where it's like, Rituals do just sometimes take forever to do. Right. <laughs> like, uh, the, yeah. No, go on. <laughs> there, there's some stuff in various tabletop games where it's like, it takes an extra 10 minutes to do a ritual spell, or it takes an hour. Or then you get to certain ones, it's like, well, it depends on the ritual. It could be like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And you just you just got to have someone to sub in for you while you take a rest each day. Right. <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah. I, I like the idea that the the big crazy magic, like yeah, banish this eternal soul outside of the celestial wheel, takes a while to do. That's <laughs> that's not normal magic. <laughs> um, and also, my favorite part is it's a, just a quick cutaway. Uh, it's like directly after she cha- uh, changes the army into pigs, like she goes into her ritual chamber and she mm. has this walk that's like, oh, now that that bullshit's done with, time to get <laughs> back to work. <laughs> um, and also, this is when she's revealed to be dressed exactly like Mumra from the Thundercats for literally <laughs> no reason. <laughs> Yeah, she is. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, God. what is going on? Like, she is dressed exactly like Mumra, and then begins to turn into a mummy during the final battle. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, what is? I'm like, did Thundercats steal Mumra's design from Willow? Possibly. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, outside on the battlefield, uh, General Kale kills good old Eric. I I hate the way the names. It's A I R K, and they just call him Eric. And yep. I just wished he looks like a Viking. Call him Eric. Yes. That's a good name. Yep. That's a fantasy name. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no, it has to be fantasy adjacent, but not something that anybody could say <laughs> was taken from anything. It's all original. Eric. Yep. God, please give me one more syllable. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, K.O. K- kills Eric, but uh, Mad Madigan does his thing and duels him to death pretty easily. He's he's the greatest swordsman that's ever lived. 
Before. And it, and it's a shame because <laughs> there's something that happens because the this final battle is mm. split into two. There's the the armies, Mad Morgan, Eric, and Kale, and then there's the magic with uh, uh, mm. uh, Bavmora and and uh, yeah. Raziel and uh, daughter. Sure. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, and there was this thing that happened that I was like, ah, oh, because we're gonna get into literally my favorite thing about this movie during the mm. magic fight, which yeah, is yeah. Um, a uh, first instance of hey, we're gonna show magic, uh, but we're not gonna apply a special effect to it. Um, mm. which was something that I was like, uh, from Lord of the Rings, which I actually yeah. loved. I was like, oh man, that wizard fight was really cool because there weren't a bunch mm. of special effects denoting magic. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess Willow did it first. Um, but we do get some <laughs> special effects and we get my favorite thing in the universe that I had totally forgotten about. And it's the living reliquary. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to us. Tell us all about this reliquary. Oh, it's 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 a it's a what is it? Is a tripod? It's just a tripod, mm -hmm. kind of like evil ritual bone holding pot. Yeah, um, yeah pretty that, much. Yeah, gets zapped by the magic wand because the two sorceresses are fighting over it, and it comes to life, and it's yep. horrible. It's so gross. <laughs> I just it, don't like the way it moves. <laughs> I, I love that. It, I love that the the arm and hand bones in it are what's propping up the the lid, mm, mm. like pushing the <laughs> lid up to like be like a mouth. It's like the most horrific mimic, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> that isn't a Dark Souls mimic. It's my favorite thing, and Willow, you know, fights it and pushes it out, and I really wish mm. because. Since this is the actions happening in parallel with one another, that like when Mad Mardigan stabs Kale, then the the reliquary just like smashes oh, him through the <laughs> through that the, been cool. the bridge. And you know, Mad Mardigan looks up and Willow looks down, and they have like a little moment of acknowledgement and then back to it. Yeah. That would have been cool. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Uh, they they had the the big old big old magic battle, uh, and as as Raziel and Sorcerer are defeated in it, uh, we turn over to Willow who has the baby the baby Laura is like, where's the baby? And Willow jumping the first. This is the longest shot Chekhov's gun I've seen in a while. <laughs> right right at the start of the movie, Willow was doing sleight of hand at the at the town festival and made a piglet disappear beneath the cloth. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then he does exactly the same thing with the baby. Yep. <laughs> but has, he, has... <laughs> he does yeah. he does huckster it up a little. He's like, I'm oh, a powerful yeah. so sorcerer, <laughs> and I'm going to send her to a place where you'll never be able to find her or hurt her. <laughs> she's like, you'll never, there's no such place. Like, she's palpatining <laughs> it up, like, harder oh, yeah. than I've ever seen. She's like, there's no yeah. such place outside of my purview. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good line. Um, yeah, he really hams it up. He does. He does the magic trick where he just clearly drops the baby behind the bit of rock he's standing behind. Yep. And it's like, oh, he he is a great sorcerer. 
I gotta go find the baby. I gotta get him and get the get the location of the baby. She steps into the ritual circle. Yep, and just banishes herself outside yep. of space and time. She's literally, <laughs> she's so shocked by the Chinsia's sleight of hand trick that she exiles her essence out of the known universe. It's great. Again, it really calls back to like that that the the elder high old one going doing like the social engineering is magic. Mm-hmm. Like you, you would you would never be able to beat her in magic, but you're a better sorcerer than her because you're able to trick her. Right, that counts. that's magic. <laughs> um, we get some. Oh, hey, guess what? You know what? One of my favorite things on the planet is old mm-hmm. '80s and '90s hand drawn VFX. Oh um, yeah, the lightning is so good. <laughs> she gets struck by lightning. You see her skeleton mm-hmm. animated yeah, underneath yeah. it. The 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 pots of ritual blood that she's using begin to steam <laughs> up and envelop her, and I'm just like, ah oh, man, like I wish more people would just like hire VFX animators for Please. special effects in movies because yeah. it looks so good, and you can make yeah. it look so good nowadays. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the like movement away from that is. People going, it looked so goofy, but sometimes that's good. Right. This looks incredible. It fits. Yes. Like someone might look at it, it looks a little dated, it looks a little goofy. Like, no, it's great. It's fine. We can also do much better than that nowadays if you just give people a shot. Right. It'd be so good. Using the exact same techniques with modern day technology, you can make Mm. it work. Absolutely. (laughs) I would actually be all in for like a magic series where. It was shot entirely without effects, like the mm-hmm. Saruman and Gandalf fight, and then you just paid you paid like a Cartoon Network animator to come in and sell in some cool shots, cool yes. stuff over the top. Over the top, that would be really awesome, actually. Like magic is two dimensional because only us, the viewer, can actually see it. So, right, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah, the the day is one. Uh, the kingdom of Tirislean is restored, I guess. Maybe. I don't know, the castle's looking in better shape. Um Yeah. <laughs> uh uh yeah, uh look, Sorcerer and Mad Mardigan, they're in love. They're gonna be the king and queen of Tira's lean, I guess. <laughs> I guess everyone else is dead. This everyone kingdom is Oz. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Squatters <laughs> rights for kingdoms. I mean, hey. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and also not entirely historically inaccurate as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that that's kind of that's the kind of thing I can get behind. Um, <laughs> they they are obviously adopting Alora as their ch- actual child because they're just they're just going to skip straight past all the all the pre-child part of marriage and skip straight into having a two-month-old baby. Yes, which I'm sure I'm sure will be the best possible test of their new relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raziel gifts Willow a spell book, like, "Cool, you've done a great job. You've got such potential to be a great sorcerer." You're you're not Me. a great sorcerer, by the way. No. That that no. that journey remains unfulfilled. The thing that you <laughs> wanted to be doesn't happen in this film. But here, Absolutely keep not. trying. <laughs> Absolutely. You can do it if you if you try. 
Right. You've got the potential. <laughs> she might as well have said, you'll be a great sorcerer in the sequel and then turn square at the camera, stare into the audience's eyes for like 10 seconds and wink at us. We only had to wait 34 years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, he returns home, uh, some would say in triumph, uh, and it's honestly a very sweet scene. He rides back in on a pony. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, Everyone's happy to see him. He tosses an apple up into the air and it transmutes into a seagull, uh, which immediately uh, craps on Burglecut's face. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> Because th- that's Burglecut's character arc, because he's still a mean old bastard, <laughs> and he still ha- still has disgusting organic substances all over him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he returns home to his wife and children, and it's very touching. Like, honestly, uh, the the wife seeing him and just sprinting over to him, it's, it's incredibly cute and sweet, and the kids mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, yeah. And we, we pan out to, like, the long shot of, the traffic cone mountains. <laughs> Listen, it's a so fantasy tall. matte painting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a beautiful matte painting. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at this, I'm like, we've seen these incredible natural shots of New Zealand this entire film. Why did we never see any of these in the far background? <laughs> they must be visible for miles in every direction. <laughs> it's because the camera was so short to the ground because of our stars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do appreciate that. Throughout the throughout the film, most of the camera is set at like Nelwyn height for yes. a lot of the stuff. Yes, because in a lot of the scenes, you only have Warwick Davis as the actual the only human actor on the set. Mm-hmm. Like with with the brownies and with Shalindri and stuff, they were rotoscoped in later. If it's just if it's just um Warwick Davis and a small animal, they're in the same height range. Like it it really did put you in the shoes of a Nelwyn and made the 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 more averagely heighted actors feel quite large mm-hmm. in comparison. Uh, sort of fell out of a bit by the end where you had like armies of daikinis facing off against each other. Right. You're like, okay, this, this has become a human-centric story again all of a sudden. But yeah, it, it did really put you in his shoes for that. Now cut 30 minutes of putting you you in his shoes because the, yeah, the, the yeah. stuff's near the end of the movie. The movie yeah. ends really well. Yes. I love it. Like I said, I was like, oh, that's the reason why I don't remember anything about Willow, because I only remember the last 40 minutes of this movie. <laughs> and and uh. I, I and I then came to realize, yes, I did in fact watch Willow a number of times as a children, as a, as a children, as, a as children. multiple children. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, um, but that's because I would rent it from the video store. I would put the v- the VHS into my VCR and then fast forward to the last 30 minutes of this film. Honestly, that's optimal childhood viewing. And I commend <laughs> you for that. That's yep. great. Yep. You, you knew exactly what you wanted and you got it out of that film multiple times. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Willow. That movie Willow. has some pacing problems like nobody's business. I was just like, I can't, like, when I was like, this movie's two hours? How is yeah. it? How is this, how is this movie two hours? 
And then as I watched it, I was still like, how, how is this? There's nothing. There's nothing. You won't give me any, once again, dying. Like I was Mad Mardigan in that crow's (laughs) cage. (laughs) Desperately, desperately, (laughs) anything, anything about this world. (laughs) To the point that like I was watching it and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is just a really bad adaptation of a thing that already exists. Mm. And I'm like, is Willow an adaptation? And I'm just like, no, it's not. This is all original. There's nothing. It's all original and there's nothing. Why? How can you do this to me? Ah, it's a mystery. But yeah, like, God, it it is a really good film. If you if you cut thirty minutes out as a uh-huh. ninety minute movie, this would honestly be really perfect. I yeah, think. yeah, I agree. It's, it's got still... all the charm. It's got the good stuff at the end. It just doesn't have to ramble so much. Yeah, I I mean, there's <laughs> like there's a, there are aspects of like yeah, it's yeah, the pacing is is really really abysmal. The pacing and the world building like mm. just drove me into conniptions the entire watch time <laughs> until like willow turned that troll into a flesh cocoon and i was like ah, i do <laughs> oh, remember God. this part of the movie oh this is yeah. where the movie starts getting good okay i can focus again yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh man yeah worth a watch just be aware you might lose track somewhere in the first sort of yeah 90-ish minutes <laughs> yep but yeah it, it's it's really really charming and it, it does have some actually good effect i just looked up the um the two-headed creature apparently it's called an ebersthisk um but they they have like the full model of it there's a shot of it, like in a warehouse and the head like the size of a volkswagen or whatever oh ugh, yeah ugh, yeah ugh. yeah Really I don't cool. actually, I, yeah, it's really cool, and I actually would <laughs> never want to see it in real life, actually, to be perfectly honest. Fair enough. Don't I'd look re- that I'd, up. I'd rather look at the that modern-day hoggle, state oh, of hoggle. Uh, oh, no. Like, I'd rather be sat in a room with that than ever see a perfectly <laughs> preserved version of, of the creature from Willow. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the film. It's got its pacing issues, but it's still worth watching. Um, it is, yeah, like I said, it's really charming. Warwick Davis does a pretty good job. Uh, Val Kilmer is Val Kilmer. Um, <laughs> I, I checked his Wikipedia page just as part of the, the preliminary research for this, and I mis I misread the born section and the active from section. Like he was born in 1981. That's not he wasn't eight years old when he filmed this. Um <laughs> might explain his behavior. Uh but <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's really good. Um I have no idea what the T V series is like, so I'll I'll start watching that soon. Uh <laughs> but I I am interested in it because my my thought going into this film was that I would watch what presumably the T V series is and, uh-huh. <laughs> and that that this whole actual film would have been like a cut to black 15 years later logo. And that would have been what this film actually turned out to be. It was like, Oh cool. It's not actually about the main character of the setting. It's not about Alora. It's about this, this little guy on his, on his mission to 
to technically save the world before the world has to be saved. <laughs> yeah. Although, I guess technically the prophecy was fulfilled. Like, the baby brought about the downfall of Queen Bavmora. Yep, sure did. It's, man, that kind of... <laughs> the, that, oh, man, that ironic monkey's paw prophecy that was real prevalent yep. in the 80s of, hey, if you uh, just did nothing, then everything would have been fine. Like I said, this yep. is the reason why she shouldn't have even tried the ritual. <laughs> she should have just chucked a baby off of a cliff every year. <laughs> For the it's rest of eternity, <laughs> way easier. Uh, like, yeah, it's it's the very much like no man of one born yep. style <laughs> fulfillment of a prophecy. Yep. <laughs> and then you get to pick between I am no man and I was born via a C section, so it doesn't count. Hey. <laughs> uh, which, hey, yeah, I, I, hey, I could be a Shakespearean protagonist. Good for me. <laughs> I, I, oh man! If it had, if if it had been that one advisor that had given her the prophecy immediately, and like they just mm. scans the parchment and it says your paranoia will cause you to exile your soul from the universe <laughs> because of a baby, and he's just like, yeah, I'll just shorten it to the baby will cause your demise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like, listen, I'm getting 15 of these prophecies every day. Can you just boil it down to the essential parts? It's like, yeah, sure. Baby causes end of rain. Excellent. Good. Yep. Send it out. Yep. Don't You don't need the full sentence there. You oh, want a five word or less prophecy. Oh, man. <laughs> See, that's actually, you know what? You want to add some, like, comedy world building? Like, tell us what mm. the, her advisors, her evil cabal of of old wizened <laughs> men who are in charge of prophesizing things are doing and, like, how much they hate her because she never, oh, she, she listened to them once and never again. <laughs> I've foreseen that it will rain on Tuesday. We must forestall the jowls. Like, no, no, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Never listen. Listen to the one thing about a baby. The unimportant one about a baby, where if he's left it alone, nothing would happen. I'm telling you, <laughs> materially, it will rain on Tuesday. Your event will be ruined and you're ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, this, this side story is probably one of the best things I think we've come up with. It's good. It's good. It's good. I love that advisor. I wish the world for him. I hope he shows up in the TV series, like, (laughs) just, just in the, in the evil advisor retirement home, like, she never listened. (laughs) But now I can win bridge every week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or just just like I've got this magic mirror that shows her screaming in the space beyond <laughs> forever. I get to we, mock we just, her sometimes. Yeah, we just check in once a week, make sure she's still circling around the drain of the never-ending void. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's good. I think that's that. That's, that We've milked that. that. We, we, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> good bit, though. Good bit. I'm happy with good this bit. bit. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is going to cu- uh, uh, end our coverage of Willow. Yes, it's. I have problems with it. I have problems with mm. its uh, with the direction and some of the editing and definitely its pacing and world building. But if you go into the film knowing what it is, uh, you will probably have a good time. Uh, mm. And also, you shouldn't feel bad about skipping ahead. Um, yeah. 
because there's it's once again it's literally allergic to exposition so you will not skip past anything uh, mm. that informs you other than what you are seeing with your eyes and hearing with your ears yeah watch like the first 15 minutes to get the setup and then skip to like 45 50 minutes in yeah <laughs> you probably won't miss too much yes <laughs> Uh, honestly you could cut out Val Kilmer at the crossroads and just have them meet him at the tavern and it probably works about as well yeah just remove it, <laughs> any mention of the fact that Willow gave him the baby in the first yeah. place <laughs> oh man yeah release the Willow cut because um, oh god no that's a bad joke because it's shorter <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's do some ads and finish up. You can find the show still on Twitter at mon underscore demonster. You can find our erstwhile co-host Dave uh, at sentinel underscore plus, more or less across social media. You can find me on Twitter at night underscore twit, and that's night without a K. I'm still there, mostly just scrolling through the, the timeline slowly dissolving. Leonard, you're the one of us that actually produces interesting content that people might want to see. Where is it? <laughs> yes uh well i am also <laughs> that's no that's a, not true this this podcast well, is interesting oh, apart from the podcast apart from the podcast <laughs> way to just cut the legs out from under this podcast Oof. right at yeah. the, <laughs> right at the finish line uh you can find <laughs> me uh on twitter at dr faust is dead you can also find my secondary professional Twitter account at Umbranox Productions, and you can mm -hmm. find my uh, video essay, video game video essay work on uh, YouTube by searching Dr. Faust is Dead, and uh, my film work by searching at Umbranox Productions. And uh, from uh, Cameron and I, I think this is as good a place to call it. Thank you for mm -hmm. joining us again on this episode of Monster Do Dear Monster, and we will see you later. Bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye. Monster Dear Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place.